want to uh, ponder for a moment, uh, what is it that you have completed? If there's something that you feel, I've finished it, I've done it, I've achieved something, it's a great feeling. Um, one of the things about the role I have is, is there's always something else going on and never quite get to complete things, which is why I like walking. And if you uh, go into my office, you will see this map. Uh, it's one of those uh, map, uh, that, that goldy stuff is that sort of, a scratch thing that you scratch off so you reveal a green and pleasant land. And the bits that are scratched off are the bits of the England and Wales coastline that I have walked. And if you look closely to the left, to the west, is a little place called Wales. And if you look closely at that, you will see that when I was away walking last month, I managed to complete the Welsh coast path, which was uh, taking about eight years to do whenever I get time off, 870 miles. But I need to tell you that I, it, there was a moment when I was trying to complete it. So you start, I started at uh, Liverpool. I've gone north from Liverpool as well, lest some of you are thinking that top bit isn't Wales. I'm on my way up. At, I'm from I'm at Preston going north. But anyway, I started at Liverpool, went through Chester, all the way around. Anglesey took forever, and then round and down, and then the last... <laughs> A uh, few days coming through from Swansea all the way to what I thought would be the end. And I thought this was the end. This is the M4. And I thought, I get to the M4, and this is me getting excited, thinking I've got 400 yards to go, and I'll have completed it, and I will have done it. And then this is what happened. The path doesn't go on the motorway. It goes underneath it because there is no path on the motorway. It's the old bridge, which is three miles further down Seven Estuary. That was a downer, because it was hot, and I had to carry on walking. This is the moment when I finished, when I completed. And you get to the old Seven Bridge, and there is the path going across into Somerset for another day. What is it that you have completed? Why are we thinking about completion? There is a lovely little verse which I want to explore by looking at it, around it and before and after it in John's Gospel, where he talks about our joy being complete. It's all done. The missing piece. I've told you this so that your, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, I guess that all of us would say there's still a little bit of the joy of Jesus missing in our lives. We're struggling with the brokenness of this world, struggling with all kinds of difficult things. What does he mean? How is it that our joy might be complete? He says, I have told you this. So that leads us to the question, what has he told us that will help our joy to be complete? Well, the bit that before is what we looked at a couple of weeks ago when we had our camp service and we talked about tents. If you weren't there, you can find a very bizarre video of me preaching from inside a tent. It talks about remaining in love. You go to our YouTube's, uh, website, our YouTube site, you'll find it there. It talked about remaining. We asked ourselves, what is God's love and how do we remain in God's love? And he talks about obeying the commands. And we talked about five commands to start with, to stay in this place. Have I have, I've told you this. 
What has he told us? He's told us to keep his commands, to remain in his love. How do we have complete joy? We need to stay in the place of his love. He invites us and draws us into his love, but it's quite easy to step outside, to drift away, to fall away from it. So how do we stay in the place of God's love? Well, that's what we looked at before. But I want to just hone in. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So what command specifically, because he's going to come on and tell us. Let's see what comes next. I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. If you will remember, it was the most controversial command on the tent feature. It was the sandwich spread one. And I've had so much flack and criticism and debate about sandwich spread. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to have been there. But if you weren't, you can look at it on YouTube. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. There is a relationship between loving others like Jesus and knowing joy, the fullness of joy, the missing link, the completeness of joy. Greater love, he says, has known one than this, to lay down one's life for one friend. Now, lots of us know this verse because it's on all the sort of um, remembrance bits and bobs and the, 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 the uh, memorials and war memorials. And, but sometimes we haven't got the context. Context isn't war. Context is Jesus trying to complete joy in us. Somebody sent me this cartoon um, a few weeks ago, which uh, I think we can cope with on a Sunday night. Maybe the Sunday morning wouldn't cope with it, but you're, you're going to be okay, I'm sure. Jesus is preaching. He says, be kind to everyone. And somebody calls out from the cry, crowd, wait, even Gary? Apologies to anybody here called Gary. It's just, the, it's just the way the cartoon goes. Wait, even Gary? Yeah, Gary's the worst, says somebody else in the crowd. And Jesus says, look, we've been through this. Yes, be kind to Gary as well. At which point, somebody else in the crowd shouts, hey, ha, suck it, losers. And Jesus says, not now, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) When Jesus says, love one another... He's not talking about the people we like. He's not talking about the people that are easy. He's talking about the Garys of this world. How do we love like Jesus? Why should we want to love like Jesus? Because if we love like Jesus, then we're remaining in his love. If we're remaining in his love, then we're going to be completing the circle that enables us to know a deeper joy than we know. Another cartoon for you. I've been a Christian for 40 years. How come you're still not very nice? Is it that we have talked about love for centuries and our reputation 
as Western Christians in the British culture, in the European culture, in the West, our reputation is not being very nice. And all of us know of Christians who we feel are not very nice. Very difficult to spot in ourselves, though, isn't it? Very easy to see in somebody else. How do we love like Jesus? I want to suggest that, because the more I've thought about those cartoons, and I thought about, you know, if I just say love one another, and I think we've talked about this, we all know what it means to love one another, and love like Jesus, we all, and then I'm thinking, I'm not sure that we do know what this means. Because if we really did know what it means, we would be doing it. But I'm not sure that we do know what it means. So firstly, I want to suggest four things that loving like Jesus isn't. Four things where the love of Jesus is directly opposite to the way our culture sees and explains and understands love. The first thing is that it is not simply loving in order to be loved. It's not trying to manipulate other people being nice to us. It's not about trying to be liked so that we feel better. The love of Jesus didn't always mean that people followed him. But sometimes our definition of love is what do I need to do to get people to like me? And the need to be loved is sometimes very damaging in actually loving. The second thing that's different is that love of Jesus is not to be confused with lust. And again, our culture has got completely messed up as to what love is. We think love is desire. Love is attraction. It isn't. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. Love is not a feeling. Love is a behavior. And the third problem that perhaps our culture and that infects us as Christians is that we think that we can only love those who we like and who we agree with. And our world is polarizing and dividing over all kinds of different issues. And churches and Christians are dividing over all kinds of issues. And we think that we can only love the people who cross all the things tick all the boxes of the things we agree with. And the world's love is sometimes coercive and manipulative and oppressive and intimidating. But I want to explore what the love of Jesus is like. And we know this stuff, but it's good just to be reminded of us. It is a choice. And I want to draw out, I think there's eight things about how Jesus acts in love. That if we are to love like he has loved us, we are to do. The first thing is right at the very beginning, pre-Christmas, he seeks the lost. His love takes him out of heaven and down onto earth to look for and find the broken, the poor, 
the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the guilty, the shameful, the alienated. He goes beyond his world to knock on our doors. The love that he has loved us with is a love that seeks us, pursues us, we've said in that song. It's running after us. The love of Jesus is a love that is comfortable in a stable or in a place of animals, amongst the smell. It's not a palace. It's a simple and humble place. It's not extravagant. It's not exploitative. It's not having more than others have around, but living humbly and simply. And the love that he has loved us with is the love that hears the cry of the hungry and feeds them. And this is going to be and is an important cry for us to hear here in Sutton Baptist Church over the next few months because God has positioned us and placed us through our food bank to be right at the very center of what may be a crisis. And Jesus takes five loaves and two fish. He takes all that he has and he multiplies them because of generosity. And the love of Jesus is a love that encounters and reaches out to those who are sick and prays for healing. And the love that he has loved us with is the love that crosses barriers, that approaches the woman at the well who is from a different race, from a different religion, from a different gender, and who is an outcast even in her own culture because of her behavior. And the love of Jesus is the love that goes and seeks the woman at the well, or the tax collector that's hiding up a tree. The love of Jesus is the love that crosses the barriers that others would say you can't mix with those people, you can't have anything to do with those people. And the love of Jesus is the one that befriends the sinners and the woman who was thrown before his feet, caught in adultery. And rather than throwing stones, he wisely says something so clever that all those who want to kill her have to leave. This is the love that he's loved us with. And the love that he loves us with is the love that says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When he is mocked, and humiliated. It is the love that on the cross takes our sin and transforms and redeems through grace. This is our God. It's an incredible thing. When he says, your joy will be complete if you love like me, it's a big step. And he goes on and he says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life one's friends. And I suspect that the disciples, when they heard him say this, were shocked by a word that we perhaps aren't so shocked by. Because older ones among us have a hymn. But when Jesus says this, it's clear that he is saying something to them that they've never heard a rabbi, and they certainly never heard God say before. He says, you're my friends. Now, we think, well, that's great. Jesus is my friend. What a friend I have in Jesus, all my sins and griefs to bear. And that is a great hymn, but a slightly out of context. Because you can hear him, them say silently, it's like a bit of a monologue here, you can hear them say, you can't call us your friends, we're your servants. 
You're our master. You're our Lord. You're our God. Don't call us your friends. And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. That bit isn't so clear in the hymn, what a friend I have in Jesus. But he goes even further to explain it. He says, I, do, I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Have you ever had those kind of things where you think, I haven't a clue why someone is doing that. I just don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they've done that. Have you ever had that kind of conversation? I don't know why they did that. I think people often say that of me. I just don't know why he did that. I don't know why he said that. Jesus says, a servant doesn't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learn from the Father, I have made known to you. In other words, you're my friends because you know what I'm trying to do. You know what I'm about and you believe in it. A servant says, whatever you say, Jesus will say it, but they don't really own it. They don't really believe in it. He says, you're my friends because you know what I'm about and you believe in it. What is it? And I think there's a connection here. That how do we find this joy? How do we complete the joy? We become a friend of Jesus. How do we become a friend of Jesus? It's by knowing his business. What is his business? His business is to seek the lost. We become a friend of Jesus when we go, I'm really buying into what you're about, Jesus. We become a friend of Jesus when we say, I understand why you were born amongst the cattle and the donkeys when I, in a manger. I understand why you weren't born in a palace. I understand the simplicity that you're calling to. I understand it, and so I'm seeking to emulate. I'm seeking to get amongst and live simply in a world perhaps of great disparities. We know the Father's business, which is to hear the cries of the hungry. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. To be a friend of Jesus is to understand what this is about. It means to be caring and compassionate for those who are sick and to pray for them. But to be a friend of Jesus is to be willing to cross the barriers. To be on the uncomfortable place where people are different to us and hold different religious views and have different ideas. And to understand that the business of Jesus was to cross those barriers and to become friends with sinners. They, they insulted him, so they thought, by calling him a friend of sinners, and he took it as a badge of honor. To be a friend of Jesus and to complete the joy is to say, I'm buying into what you're about. I understand your business. I understand that your business is forgiveness. It is mercy. It is grace. And so much of religion are not friends of Jesus because we haven't understood grace. And we, to be a friend is to understand what he's about, which is to transform and redeem 
through grace. How do we find and complete joy? We obey his commands. And we not only obey them, but we understand why they're there. It's not a religious, legalistic ritual. I've got to do what Jesus says. I don't like it, but I've got to do it. No, to be a friend is to go, and I not only am going to do it, but I understand why, and I'm on board, and I really want to be part of it. And in my last part, I, wanted to, I just thought I'd be controversial. It's hot. You need something to go home and argue about. I want to give you some things that what it means to be a friend of Jesus and to understand his business, what that doesn't look like. It doesn't look like restoring a political kingdom. The business of Jesus was not to restore a political kingdom. His kingdom was not on earth. His kingdom was where any, anybody allowed him to, to be king of their hearts. Jesus was not about restoring a political kingdom. Whenever religion gets involved in restoring political kingdoms, we are not doing the business of Jesus. Whether that kingdom is the UK, whether it's Russia, whether it's the US, or whether it's Israel. The moment Christians start to use Christianity to promote a political kingdom, we're not in the Father's business. Because we're not crossing barriers. Because we're not transforming and redeeming. Because we're not listening to the hungry. And we're seeing increasingly elements of those who would call themselves Christians who align themselves with a political solution that is not the business of Jesus. The business of Jesus is to hear the hungry and the poor and to be good news to them, not to side with an army. And Jesus again and again was invited to stand against the Romans and he doesn't because it's not his business. And when Christians want Jesus to stand against the Democrats or the Republicans, to stand against the Russians or the Ukrainians, to stand against Britain or Europe, we're misusing what Jesus' business was. His business was to change the hearts through grace, to cross the barriers, not to create them. That should give you enough to argue over when you get home. Let me give you another one. The business of Jesus was not to punish the wicked. The Pharisees thought it was. The Pharisees believed that the Messiah would come and, and remove all the sinners. All the tax collectors were going to go. All the people caught in adultery were going to be stoned to death. They couldn't understand why Jesus didn't do it. And whenever religion wants to punish people, Condemn people, box, label, exclude, call them abominations. We are not in the business of Jesus. His friends, he says his friends know what his business is. His business was about breaking the barriers and restoring and changing. And his command is to love like him. His command is not to love like the Pharisees. 
And the last one, I think. The business of Jesus was not to make my life or your life comfortable. The business of Jesus was not that Christians would have easy lives. You see, we can take two parts of the passage and say, Jesus has come to complete my joy and he calls me his friends. And we have a lovely religion all about Jesus doing everything for me and making my life easy and giving me a comfortable life. And we've missed out the context. The context was the joy is completed if you obey my command to love. Oh, by the way, the way I want you to love is to love as I love. And then you'll be my friends because you understand what this is all about. You own it. You believe it. And so the way of Jesus, as we go back to the cartoon, is to be kind to everyone, including the Garys. And that's where love lies. That's where joy lies. Not in make me healthy, wealthy, content, and overweight. But help me to reach out, to cross the barriers, to be accused of being a friend of sinners, to be in the uncomfortable and difficult places through the week that God's placed us to be alongside the Garys and trying to love them. Thomas Merton says, without love and compassion for others, our own apparent love for Christ is a fiction. We're positioned as a church over the next few months to continue to reach out in an even deeper way to love and it will be costly for us some of the people who come and seek food from us would have made poor choices lived and living lifestyles we don't feel are healthy and we may worry about whether we've got enough for ourselves The business of Jesus is to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the sick, to be good news to the poor, and to transform lives through grace and mercy and compassion, not through judgment, not through exclusion, not through condemnation, not through throwing stones, not by walking on by on the other side of the road. The love of Jesus is the painful place of being alongside. And he'll say, you're my friends. And what greater thing than that? What a friend to have in Jesus. Questions then for us to reflect on, are we a friend of Jesus? Or is he our slot machine to do what we want? Are we partnering in his business or are we wanting him to bless our business?
do we understand what he's really about? Are we part of the religious establishment or friends of Jesus? And last question, what might we be missing out on the joy of being in the love of Jesus because we are not loving like him? Where might we be missing out? And this paradox of the joy in the suffering, the joy in the sacrifice, the joy in the pain. Where might we be missing out on the joy of being in the love of Jesus because we're not loving like him and we've removed ourselves, we've gone outside and become judgment, judging or condemning or sought some political argument. Let's pray. Joel's going to come and join me. Would you like to stand? Lord Jesus, we thank you that your business is the redemption of mankind. We thank you that your agenda is the transformation of individuals through the mercy and grace that you offer. We thank you that your business is one of forgiving, of restoring, of rebuilding, of cleansing. We thank you that your business is one of hearing the cries and seeking the lost and meeting the hurts. We thank you that your business is one of salvation and we have been blessed to receive that. We thank you that you have been at work in our lives. Lord, we believe in that. We own that. We want to be part of that. We want to obey your command to love. Of mercy. Where we've not loved as you loved, but loved as the world loves. Have mercy where we have pushed people away because they made us feel uncomfortable, because they were different, because we didn't agree with them, because it was too costly or too painful. Lord, have mercy. We want to put that missing piece in of your joy. And so we want to stay in your love. You've reached out to us with your love. Help us now to stay there.